Blog Talk Radio. Joshua Live here Sunday night, actually now Monday, 12.30. Getting a late start tonight. Um, about to have Kenny Starmaker Bowen live on the line, but unfortunately right now he just let me know that it's storming really bad where he's at right now, and and his power keeps going off and on. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to let this uh, ride here, hoping to get him on the air. Um, unfortunately, if, if, if his power cuts out and um, I'm unable to get him on the line here in the next few minutes. We're just going to reschedule this so for in a day or two. I don't know, the storm's are really bad. Like, he has already let me know. So, uh, anyway, uh, as I sit here and wait for him uh, to connect him, let's go ahead and uh, play this commercial right here for everybody, give you a little bit of a backstory of, of uh, recent things. I can't even hear this clip. What's going on? <laughs> this is not even playing. See how I just hit play on that clip and it's not playing another technical difficulty here. I don't even know if if, if you people can hear me talking right now. It's supposed to be playing this <laughs> thing. Apparently the storms are have taken over tonight and this is just not cool. I've, I've never had these kind of technical problems. Anyhow, uh, nope, anyone can hear me. I'm, I'm, I'm on the air live right now, so forgive me. Um, I don't know if anybody can hear me or if I should even be talking. There's not, not even a stop button on this thing. <laughs> I should just send the episode of Jamie Joshua Live here with technical difficulties galore. Why do I not have a stop button? Let me try to play something else. There we go. Now I'm playing that, but I can't hear it. Okay, at least I know that that clip is going to end in 25 seconds. Twelve, fifteen, sixteen seconds. You know, I actually blame this on the Illuminati actually setting my show down right now. Okay, right now it says there's no more uh, cook playing. I, um, yeah, um, Drew, Drew actually just played it for me and actually let me know that I'm actually being broadcasted on the air. <laughs> okay, so everybody can hear me. All right, um, do not have Kenny Starmaker Bowen connected on the line yet. Um, if I do not get him connected on the line very soon, 
as we have a lot to talk about, then I'm just going to have to reschedule this show for a couple days from now. So, you know, this is, well, now I'm getting aggravated. <laughs> that joke from last week. Uh, okay, still looking at the switchboard. Um, he has not called in. See, so, yeah, this this sucks, but I'm power outages. You want a live show? You know, guess you'll have that now and then. Um, let me kind of uh, see what's uh, going on here. I'd play another clip while I'm trying to figure this out, but the clips apparently have not been playing. Anyway, I was going to give us five minutes to get Kenny Starmaker Bowling on the line. I'm going to... Okay, I just got a message that said, now. And I can't read the message. That was crap. <laughs> um, let me try to pull up my messages here. Anyway, uh, the big topic this week, of course, was uh, all week you couldn't get away from it. LeBron James coming back to Cleveland. I know a lot of people have certain feelings about that. There's a term thrown around called dick rider that I, I did not agree with just because, uh, you know, people call Miami Heat fans a dick rider. Dick riders. But, um, Okay, uh, Kenny Starmaker Bowen told me that the number to call in to the show is not working, in which I actually understand because it seems like none of my clips are playing and nothing's working right now. Huh. Um, the show is working. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to see if someone else can call in here and see if they get connected. <laughs> yeah, I have a problem with the term dick rider because of, Let's take red hot chili peppers, for instance. They um, were not doing a damn thing, really, for many years, and then they came out with Stadium Arcadium, and everyone loved that album, won Grammys and everything, but, you know, <laughs> I'm sure people are like, oh, I love the red hot chili peppers now, you know, but, so, like, would you call them Dick Riders for that? Loving the red hot chili peppers? If you try to get these technical difficulties, that's not the number... This is what you call in. You gotta call it that number. <laughs> okay. Now at almost the ten minute mark of this episode that I'm just gonna have to end and delete. I will reschedule this. We're already talking about this with the power going in and out, that we would probably have to reschedule the show a couple days from now. Tomorrow night, I'm actually doing a show, and hopefully if everything works, I'll announce that tomorrow on on uh, Facebook as I, whenever I decide to post that. Yeah, but you see how this isn't showing me that anyone is calling in. Yeah. Um, thanks a lot, uh, 
Blog Talk Radio and the Storm and nothing working tonight. Um, uh, I don't normally do a show at 12.30 either, so I don't know, maybe it's just a bad time slot. <laughs> nothing on the system works at this point in time. Wait a second, okay, now I have some callers here. Hello? Hello, you've got Kenny the Starmaker Bowman finally. I had to call you on Skype. Ah. Yeah, well, I was getting nothing for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I was I was sitting here dialing on regular phone, and it's just giving me nothing. It's acting like the number doesn't exist. So I went into Skype and dialed it, and then it said, you must press 1. And I said, well, I don't even know if I can do that. But fortunately, I found, I found a dial pad um, uh, monitor. A logo down here, pressed it, and it gave me a one, and it put me through. So we got it all worked out. Yeah, oh, this is a, this is big. Uh, this is Kenny Stone, Nigger Bowling Live on the Jamie Joshua Live. Uh, so you're having a really bad storms there tonight. Power's going off oh, and on. I don't know what's going like on. I said, like, <clears throat> excuse me, like I typed to you earlier, if, if uh, we lose me, uh, that is why. The storms are horrible here right now. The power's been going off and on, lightning and thunder like a bitch, to say the least. And uh, if you lose me, that is why. But it's a very late recording here. It's about 1240. And uh, the, the power, I didn't even know if I was going to get to call you or not, because the power's already been off three times. Fortunately, for short periods of the time, all three times. So this is my first monsoon thunderstorm uh, podcast ever. So we've got something new today. <laughs> Yeah, we will put a disclaimer for people to fast forward the first 10 minutes <laughs> to get to it. So I um, wanted to thank you for sending me a pair. I wanted to thank you for sending me a pair of the Beats by Bowen um, to talk about that to start out with. Uh, your, how do people get a hold of these? Um, how do people order We're gonna Beats do by this. Bowen? We're going to do this. We're going to do this like the Cornette experience where we just plug the hell out of shit for like the first 20 minutes, huh? <laughs> yeah, Beats by Bowling, you can go to my Facebook page and get those. Uh, we have two different lines that we're offering right now. Both are very good. It just depends uh, how much money you're wanting to spend and how serious of an audio file you are. The Beats by Bowling are a fantastic headphone. They look very much like the, the, the Beats that that other company that just sold out looks like. They look very similar to those. Only instead of $290 a set, I sell mine for $29.95 a set. And uh, if you buy, of course, uh, multiple colors or something like that, the price can go up just a little bit, but not much. And uh, we also, as of today, now have color-coded cables that for an additional $3 you can buy to match your headphones. You don't have to no longer take black or red. Uh, for $3 more, you can pick about any color but yellow. And that became available as of today. Uh, we also have the Monster Intunes, and those are the ones that uh, uh, that Jamie... Now, you do pronounce that Jamie, correct? Yeah. <laughs> those are the ones that Jamie likes so well. Jamie's been spreading the word about my Monster Intunes, and I think he's already found me. Lowered four or five customers. Would have been six, but there's one prick out Oh, we... I think he leaves it out. Oh yeah, you're talking about uh, talking about Aaron. Well, my full permission to call him. Well, I, I, I didn't I didn't mention his name, but you did. So, 
<laughs> whatever it takes. But they are a good-looking set of Penn State headphones, and I now have Penn State headphones available for anybody out there who likes Penn State, uh, courtesy of a, of a, a little jackass that apparently didn't realize how much seventy nine ninety five was. <laughs> so that's okay. That's okay. We only, we only like adults and grown-ass men and people that can afford their headphones, and if you can't reach in your pocket and buy something you want that you ordered, then I don't want you to screw them with my time anyway. So I guess we got that yeah. there. Isn't that, isn't that a shame how you can just bitch out your potential customers? Yeah, I can bitch them all out that ain't got no money, for crying out loud. <laughs> but um, now, hell, you've, I think you've sent me to four or five other customers since you got yours, and I think a couple, three more in the wings, and um, and they love those Monster End tunes. They're, they're basically, uh, if you buy them at Walmart today, they're like $149.95 to $169, give or take. Yeah. The great thing about it is, is through me, you get them for about half that price. Now, I've only got about 25 sets available. After that, I don't know when and if I'll get any more. Uh, but you can get them for half the price, and they compare to my $375 of Monster Diamond Tears. Uh, as a matter of fact, we listen to our Intunes more than the Diamond Tears because they have better bass. And for those of you that like bass, these are just a fantastic headphone, lightweight, very, very, very high-quality construction. Made by Monster. And you know if it's by Monster, it's serious stuff. And uh, I've really lucked into a great buy on those, and, uh, and I bought a shitload of them to, to be able to get a good enough price that I could sell them for damn near at half price. At less than half price, if you go by the 169 manufacturer's price that some of the stores carry. And um, just a phenomenal headphone. And if you don't believe me, ask Jamie or, or any of my other 20-some-odd customers that's already got theirs. And and, oh, yeah. and you can get those through my you, you can get those through my Facebook page. That's the backslash Starmaker Bowling, uh, Facebook.com obviously backslash Starmaker Bowling. You can Twitter me there, but let's face it, I'm mainly on Facebook. I don't do a whole hell of a lot of Twitter uh, unless I'm answering Jimmy Cornette's fans. Uh, let's put it this way: <laughs> my fa- my fans that used to be Jimmy Cornette fans, and uh, that's normally where you can find me is on Facebook. And uh, so if you have a request, you want Beats by Bowen, you want the Monster Intunes, and we can put the logos on there for you. What logo did you choose, Jamie? I'm blanking out. Didn't you take the Hurricanes, I believe? Yeah, I had the Miami Hurricanes and Ohio State. And you, and you, and you also got Ohio State. I, I recall that now. And uh, let's see here. So, yeah, so that's enough of the headphone plugs. You can get the uh, the Bowen T-shirts. we got the, the I'm a Bowling Guy T-shirt going to be coming out in about two or three weeks. Uh, we're having people place their orders now. I would like to have orders no later. Um, you know what? I can order them today. My, my uh, rate goes in today, so we're probably going to order those in the next couple of days. So if you want your I'm a Bowling Guy T-shirt, sizes up to 2X, uh, you can place those orders today, 1995 plus uh, 595 shipping and handling. And place your orders today because we're going to do these on a pre-order only. I'm only ordering uh, enough to handle the request. I will not be carrying many, if any, extras of these at all. It's a special request. Black and I, I can guarantee everyone that they're going to be happy with it. I have a pair of Beats by Dre HD solos. I don't use anymore. <laughs> well, uh, because these are more comfortable, more padding, more padding in them. They're, they're, they're just... just as good, if not better, than those. So. You know what? That's, that's what people have been telling me all along. So that's uh, that's cool with me. All right. Uh, 
for anyone that, like like maybe the one or two people that may not know who you are, because anyone within the sound of my voice should know who you are. Oh, um, there, might even, there might even be five people that don't know who I am. Who knows? <laughs> let's, let's cover it for those who don't. But uh, you have a... To, to, you, you can explain better to me as far as a... Because um, you are, in fact, the greatest manager of all time. You are I down there uh, in well, it's 19 not years, I believe. Uh, 19 years at OVW, and not only me that says that, there are others that say it, and then I just happen to agree with them. And uh, the, what I base that on is that right now, currently, the three heavyweight champions of wrestling right now, the NWA, the TNA, and the WWE, all were managed from day one by me. I took them from dirt. I took them when they were unknown. I took them when they were in OVW, trained them, managed them, developed them, taught them what they know. And even since I've been retired for two years, my three guys, three of my guys, because I had a lot, three of my guys are still the most prominent in the wrestling world today. Nobody that Jimmy Cornette ever managed is still functional in the wrestling business and doing anything to speak of. Uh, nobody no. <laughs> Bobby Heenan managed. Nobody Bobby, I love Bobby Heenan, but nobody he managed is doing anything. Nobody that the Sir Oliver Humperdinck, nobody the Captain Lou Albano, nobody, well, Paul Heyman is still actually a functioning manager. Well, I feuded and elevated Brock Lesnar's career, so if you want to get right down to it, uh, if you either were with me or against me, those were the ones that got elevated, and Brock Lesnar was against me. <clears throat> Randy Orton was against me. Now, Simon Dean was against me. And so you didn't necessarily have to be managed by me to make it. All you had to do was be seen on a card going against us and being in a long-time feud, six weeks, eight weeks, 12, whatever. And those wrestlers uh, were elevated uh, to the top of their game as well, and that, including Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton. Now, of course, I managed Mark Henry, another former world heavyweight champion as well. So I've got a, I've got a pretty good resume when it comes to champions and, and longevity of, of people in the business. Um, and the great thing that's that I'm one I often forget about is Mark Henry. <laughs> Mark Henry, I often forget about that. Do. So, sometimes we do because he's been in and out quite a bit with injuries and everything. And um, another one I have is Heidenreich, and I don't know if he ever accumulated any world titles or any major titles anywhere or anything. But Heidenreich is one that we forget about from time to time. Um, Ooh, Lord, who else? I'm sure there's a few others out there. Uh, Damian Sandow is just a three-count away. And the Miz, a former world champion. There we go. So there's a lot of them. I have man, and no one has managed more world champions than me, especially being brought up um, from dirt, uh, from being unknowns. Well, the Miz at least had some television experience, but not wrestling experience. And I don't. You you can't name me another manager that's done what I've done. And and that's not bragging. That's just the truth. And uh, but you you said that we're going to cover some stuff. Uh, you're going to answer. You're going to ask questions I've never been asked before. You're going to touch topics that have never been asked before. And this is going to be up to you because we're only doing about 45 minutes here today before this thing shuts off. And uh, you're going to get to do a lot of the talking, which is unlike when I normally do a show because if I do all the talking, I'm probably going to say a lot of the shit I always say. So we're going to let you ask the questions and force me to answer something different than what I normally say. Well, one thing, one thing before we get off this topic is, uh, how do you how do you really know when you're um, 
I'm bringing people in that they really have that star quality and that star power. Well, that, like, well, apparently, I, well, apparently, well, apparently, I know better than Vince McMahon because Rico Constantino, uh, a champion in his own right, the American Gladiators champion, um, and there haven't been many that that. Hell, a lot of people will tell you that title's harder to get than a wrestling title because that, let's face it, is real. Uh, that is based yeah. on real athletic ability. And let's face it, um, uh, world titles in professional wrestling, uh, wrestling are a favor from the booker and the promoter. Um, if it was uh, based upon real, Lester might not ever get the belt taken away from him. There might be a few out there that could do it. Maybe Bobby Lashley, but not a, not a whole lot. Um well, I told him that Cena had what it took, and Vince McMahon said, no, he doesn't. He'll never see a day in the WWE. I told him Rico Constantino had what it took. They said, no, he doesn't. He'll never see a day in the WWE. I told him that Lance Cade and Mark Jindrak had what it took. No, they don't. They'll never see a day in the WWE. Well, guess what? Every fucking one of them saw substantial time in the WWE. Rico was there for four years. Cade and Jindrak were with WCW and uh, WWE for quite some time. And obviously, John Cena is still there today. And if you want my opinion, Rico Constantino should still be there today. One of the greatest ambassadors for wrestling ever. And we were also told that Mark Henry, uh, as big and strong as he was, other than being the world's strongest man, might be a sideshow act. He might not never be a major force in the wrestling division. He may just be a sideshow act. And we proved him wrong on that. So when I say we, I mean me. And normally Cornette would agree with me, if, uh, but he did not agree with me on Jindrak and Cade. He also said they'd never make it, and then three weeks later they got called up. So I think I'm a pretty good evaluator of talent. I did, yeah, no, I did tell him. No, there, there, were two, there were two occasions I told him not to call wrestlers up, and that was Ken Doan <laughs> and uh, Rene Dupree. I said they're not mentally ready yet. I'm not sure they're physically ready yet, and they're, they're a bit overconfident in their skills. They're both 19 years old, and neither of them are ready for what's going to come along uh, with their daily responsibilities. They're, they're going to be locker room problems, and they are not ready. And they called them up anyway, and then I'll be damned about what they're right again. Two guys that I managed that I said weren't ready, um, you hardly hear from either one of them anymore. The business one of them writes books, and the other one can only get booked in his daddy's territories. Now, what, uh, one name I got to bring up. <laughs> one name I got to bring up because I've heard uh, Kim Cornette talk about this before was uh, Batista. He said that Batista, you know, kind of had this attitude and didn't really take uh, what what he was being taught in OVW very very well. And I think it's kind of obvious. Yeah. With the way his career's gone, but uh, was he really like right. like like uh, a, a kind of know-it-all kind of feel like like, asshole, had, like it, it, it wasn't it wasn't so much that he was a know-it-all as that he was a chronic complainer, um, jealous of his wife. He was even jealous of me with his wife. Accused me of hitting on her and and, and shit like this. <laughs> I tease everybody's wife. I mean, I'm just a joker and and a, and a cut-up guy. Hell, I don't. If if you look like Batista, and you're threatened by a fat, a fat piece of shit manager like me, when it comes to bodies, and I am your competition, and you are threatened by me, you have a problem. That would be like if in my prime at age 27, if I were concerned about, um, I'm trying to think of somebody, some fat 57-year-old man who weighs over 400 pounds taking my woman from me. 
Um, if that is if that's what I got to be scared of, then I got some serious fucking mental problems, and apparently he did. Uh, Brock Lesnar uh, had those same issues with me. He was scared that I was going to take his wife from him, or or uh, I don't I don't know shit. Who knows? Um, he, he wanted to fight me over his girlfriend once because he was scared I kissed her and I never even touched her, even though I had oh, kissed her at my home. Even though I had kissed his wife every time they'd ever been to my home for probably 20 times. All of a sudden, one night at a, at a show we were doing, it was an issue. And uh, he wanted to fight about it, so Sylvester Kirkay stepped in, said, if you want to fight somebody, fight me. And Brock Lesnar opted not to fight. So uh, <laughs> even Brock even Brock had people he knew he couldn't whip, I guess. That's got to be a hell of an ordeal, having Lesnar coming at your throat or something like that. Well, I, I, I had, uh, he pie-faced me, and I think it pissed him off when I didn't go down. When I didn't fall down, uh-huh. it just upset And uh, so, what do you do? What do you do? How do you feel about the... I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here mass-producing DVDs as we speak, so if you hear me being quiet, you'll never guess what I'm mass-producing. You would die. I'm mass-producing, as I charged him for it, uh, a good fee, too, and he knows that I have one of the premier burning empires here for as far as DVDs go, so he had to come to me because I don't know anybody else who does it. I'm burning the corny in the UK uh, DVD that's going to be sold all over the world, and I'm sitting here making probably about a 1,000 copies of this thing for him to sell on the Internet. And, of course, he pays me a pretty good fee out of it as well. And uh, if he wants them burned, he's going to have to. So that's what I'm sitting here working on as we do your podcast today, is burning Cornette's uh, corny in the UK DVD for him. Yeah, so I saw, I saw it was coming out, but, like, how, how much how much actual money do you think he's making off of that, <laughs> that whole deal? Well, I, like, I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I know. I know about what he got paid to go over there, which was actually a, a, a bargain knowing Cornette because he, I didn't think he would go overseas for the amount of money that he went for, but... I think he's selling the DVD, if I'm not mistaken. Have you seen a price on it? Is it like what, fifteen ninety five, nineteen ninety five? I know it's not. Oh, I saw it for twenty bucks. Yeah, oh, twenty, 20 bucks. bucks. Probably autographed is twenty dollars. That would be my guess. And uh, I have not. Um, I saw something about it was online in Europe for something like uh, eight euro, and I don't even know what that works out to. Um, <laughs> The uh, it sounds like maybe thirteen fourteen dollars in Europe online or something some online version, but uh, yeah these will be available for sale very soon and I'm sitting there mass producing them now and he's going to put them in their nice little fancy DVD boxes and all that now uh, they'll be available real soon. That's good. Uh, as far as far as, as far as your, yourself and um people that people that may have a Given given you uh, a hard time, like who are some who are some of the people that you came across over the years that people that gave me a hard time, maybe tried to make my stay in OBW uncomfortable? Is that is that what you're looking for? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the first one ever was probably Big Show, but we've talked about that before. Big Show and I've had our problems. We we covered that uh, on on other podcasts, uh, so we won't go deep into that. Uh, listen to one of the other brilliant shows I've done, and it'll tell you. Uh, I had my issues with um, Mark Henry for a while, but Mark Henry and I are very dear friends now. I was forced to fire Mark Henry at one point. 
And also, I got the pleasure of hiring him back when I told the company we were fucking up. Uh, but as far as pricks, as far as pricks that came to OVW solely to try to fuck with me and give me trouble, uh, Bob Holly was probably the biggest prick and, and a douchebag of all. And uh, oh. I hated his guts. Before, I hated his guts before he got here. I hated his guts when he got here, and I hated and I hated him twice as bad when he left. When he got sick, I, hel- I hoped he died. I'm not a hypocrite. <laughs> if I don't like you, I don't like you. And if I don't care for you while you're here, I certainly ain't going to care for you when you die. <laughs> Excuse me. He was a prick and a douchebag to everybody he ever met. I know people in the wrestling business that loved everybody that couldn't stand fucking Bob Holly. And uh, I got no use for the fucker. He was, he was so concerned that I made money off an autograph signing of his that didn't draw shit, and I told him it wasn't going to draw shit because nobody around here gave a fuck about Bob Holly. So he, he was pissed when there was only like 30 people there for the signing. And then a wrestler named Seven told him that I profited $700 off his autograph signing. Well, number one, that's the biggest fucking lie anybody could ever tell because at OVW, none of us got paid for autograph signings. None of us. Uh, The the only time you did is if it was a WWE event at Louisville Gardens or Six Flags and a sponsor paid money to sit with you. That is the only time any of us made any money. And I got a percentage of those. Believe me, I wasn't making a percentage of Bob Holly's 30 people that showed up to see him at some fucking flea market out in Shepherdsville, Kentucky somewhere. So that prick comes back to TV. That prick comes back to the TV studio that night when we're filming a show, and he is giving me hell up one side and down the other, yelling at me from the bleachers. And this ain't no rib. He's really fucking hot. He's upset that he thinks, because number one, he's down there uh, supposedly to help out. He's down here because no one in WWE wanted him around. So he's down there and yelling at me and telling everybody how he's going to fuck me up. He's going to beat me up unless I give him $700. He comes over to the ring, gets in my face. He says, you little fat motherfucker, you're going to give me $700 by the end of the night or I'm going to beat the fuck out of you. And I just looked at him and I said, well, you better get your beating shoes on. I said, because you ain't getting no fucking $700 from me. I didn't make a fucking nickel off from you. And I told you up front that you weren't getting paid. I'm not getting paid. I said, you drew 30 fucking people. Be mad at yourself, not me. So I walked away from him. Cornette come over and got in between us. He said, what's the, what's the problem here? I said, Bob Holly thinks I made $700 off from him today. He said, Bob Holly, are you a fucking idiot? He says, number one, we thought you were down here to help. If you he ain't here to help, get the fuck out of my studio. He said, if you say another fucking word to Bolin, he says, you're done here. And when I tell him that you're fucking with Bolin, you'll be done there. He says, now, if you're here to help, we're, we're, we're happy to have you on the TV show. If you're not, get the fuck out. So finally, he shut up and quit crowing. He did whatever he was supposed to do on the TV show. And then, of course, he goes to the back, and he's still bitching about how much money I made off from him. And all the boys knew better, because they knew none of us got paid. So he was just crowing to the choir for no fucking reason. And um, so, so Bob Holly was number one, flat-out biggest douchebag ever. And like I said, if he'd have dropped dead, I wouldn't have given a shit. I wouldn't have wasted pissing on the guy. Uh, the other big prick that was here, who would have been... A, now, this one wasn't so much a prick. It was just he wanted to fuck with me, and that was his goal when he got here, was, was um, um, Layfield, John Layfield. And he fucked with me royally when he got here. JBL? And he uh, pulled a video. He pulled a video. J- who, who would have thought JBL would fuck anybody, right? So he pulled out a videotape out of the out of the VCR back there that had a promo that I'd done on it. Said that was bullshit, and it was crap, and he broke it in the middle of the floor and told me to clean it up. I looked at him, I said, I ain't the one that broke it, and I walked out of the room. 
I want you to know that videotape lay busted in that floor for the better part of about six weeks because uh, they were down here helping out for quite some time. Uh, him and uh, him and uh, they, they were the uh, APA at that time. So, okay. um, so he's bitching to everybody that I will not clean that videotape up. Everyone knows he's the fucking one that broke it. I refuse to do it. So Seven, the little instigator again, Seven had instigated the shit. And he comes, but he's a man, he's a late field's fucking hot. That tape's been laying back here about six weeks. You better fucking get back there and clean it up. I said, well, if you can go tell Layfield and anyone else that I didn't break the fucking thing, then I ain't cleaning the motherfucker up. I said, if he wants to beat my ass over a fucking videotape, that's his prerogative. I said, and then I'll own his fucking ass. I said, ain't none of you laying a goddamn hand on me that somebody ain't going to get the shit sued out of him. I said, unfortunately, he's got money. I said, so he ain't going to lay your hand on me. Some of you other poor motherfuckers might think about it. I said, you'll just be fired and done around here, and any potential money you're going to make, he ain't going to make. I said, so I fear none of you putting a fucking hand on me. I said, ain't none of you that fucking stupid, I hope. And if you are, good luck. You just made me a rich man. I said, so any of you wants to put a fucking paw on me, you just line right up and go ahead. I'll sue every fucking one of you. <laughs> so it was, it was very evident that I wasn't going to clean that mess up. So we have a show at Six Flags, and Seven, of course, steals my briefcase while I wasn't looking. Takes my briefcase, and he put it up about four stories up in some rafter thing at Six Flags. Um, I can't find it. And one of the wrestlers comes over and says, yeah, it's a fucking seven stolen. He said he hit it up about four stories up in that crow's nest thing up, up that ladder there. Jimmy says, Kenny, he says, if you want to get these people off your back, he says, what you need to do, he says, they think you're a fat fuck to do anything. They don't know you. He says, I know you're a fucking athlete. He says, climb up that motherfucker. Get that briefcase and show those motherfuckers that they can't fuck with you. And he says, I bet, he says, I bet Bradshaw leaves you alone. I said, all right, goddammit, I'll do it. So I climbed over there, and I went over, and I climbed that four stories up that fucking ladder at about 375 pounds. Climbed up there, got that briefcase, looked down at seven, flipped him the bird, said, fuck you, motherfucker, catch it. So I dropped it down. I think Damian Sandow, who was uh, Aaron the Idol Stevens at that time, caught it. Everybody starts laughing at seven because he thought he had outsmarted me. Bradshaw starts laughing at seven. He says, Bullard just said, fuck you. What are you going to do about it? And he looked at him. He said, apparently nothing. He said, Bowler might whip your ass when he gets back down that ladder. So I got back down the ladder, madder than a fucking hornet that I had to climb up that far to get it. And when I got back down, Bradshaw came over and hugged me. He said, God damn, man, you all right with me. He said, me and you having steak dinner tomorrow night on me. So he come over to my house and brought, and brought four big steaks with him, and we grilled steaks out over at my house, and, and we were cool ever since. That's awesome. I mean, so other than that, that was about it. Uh, me and Heyman, me and Heyman got along, but uh, he knew I didn't like his booking, and I left. I couldn't stand what he was doing, so I got the fuck out of there. And um, other than that, uh, nobody really fucked with me too bad. That was about it. Just they didn't know. They didn't know me that well, and they, they thought they could push me around. But you know, fuck. I've been around. I've been around a long time with a lot of quality wrestlers, and none of them fucked with me, and I'd be goddamn if they were going to. The whole story about you climbing up the pole. Yeah, there's a couple of stories I haven't told too often, if at all. Some exclusives coming here tonight. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The whole story about you climbing up the pole just made me think about the newest episode of the Bowling Alley where you were talking about Macklemore and the whole heist flag, which is what interested me. 
that was a story I told to a little girl at Golden Corral that just seemed to just light her eyes up. I, I told her that I was the person who climbed up the um, the Seattle Space Needle and hung Michael Moore's flag. I'm a huge fan of Michael Moore. I tweet with him from time to time here and there. I hear that he is a fan of mine and listens to the bowling alley. Um, uh, I haven't heard that confirmed nor denied, uh, but he does follow me on Twitter. I do follow him, and, and we've uh, tweeted back and forth a time or two, but they're always very quick, very short. He's a busy man, and I understand that. He's far busier than I am. And I've let him know that I'm a big fan of his work, and there's probably not a lot of fat 54-year-old men out there that are big Macklemore fans, uh, but I'm one of them. Uh, Sealing can hold us. Sealing can hold us. Uh, thrift Shop and... Uh, and uh, White Walls, which is the Cadillac song, I just think are just great fucking songs for a white rapper. And they just cracked me up. So I told this little girl that I climbed the space. I said, me and Michael Moore are such friends. I said, he knew that I was a big, tough guy, and he knew that I was uh, a uh, an athlete, even at my size. And somebody needed to take that big-ass flag and hang it up on the space needle and attach it to that flagpole. And I said, well, there's only one man big, around enough, big, uh, big enough that can handle that job. I said, Michael Moore, I'll take that flag. So I took the heist flag and I climbed up that pole and I want you to know just when I was ready to hook that last that last ring in that in that flagpole, a big gust of wind blew up and blew me off that pole. Fortunately I had the good common sense to treat that flag as a parachute and, and, and I floated all over uh, before I knew it I was over all over the southeast, I was uh, the southwest. I was blown over all of Washington. The next thing I know I was in San Francisco. And my wallet fell out of my pocket and landed somewhere down in San Francisco. I said, well, that wallet's gone. That's fucked. And I kept blowing me and blowing. I'm over L.A. And then, goddamn, I'm over San Diego. And I want you to know that finally I, I touched down. I touched base. I, uh, I landed in some soft sand near, near Tijuana, south of San Diego, damn near, near the Mexican border. I said, fortunately, I landed on U.S. soil and was not treated as a UFO or a hostile alien. I said, all because of me trying to be a nice guy and hanging the Macklemore flag. The girl's looking at me right now, and she's leaning over to her friend. She's leaning over to her friend. Is that true? Is that true? I said, honey, that is the God's honest truth. I said, I would not lie to you. So now she thinks it's the, the, the truth, and now I've convinced myself it's the truth, because I said it was. So she said, well, she said, well it's a shame you lost your wallet. I said, well, that's just a, the, the cap of the story. I didn't lose my wallet. I said, the one person who was a big fan of Kenny in San Francisco that owned Beats by Bowling headphones, he had the 49er edition, he got my wallet, recognized the picture, and I want you to know that he that he didn't take one dollar. I had three hundred and eighty seven dollars in my wallet. And I want you to know that he packaged that up, sent that back home to me in Louisville, Kentucky, and I got my wallet back and he never took one dollar for his trouble. Now how's that for honesty? The one decent person in San Francisco, my wallet landed in his backyard. Now how in the hell can you top that? So, uh, and I've told that story now about five times, and uh, and I tell it as if it's the truth because I think it is. I'm pretty sure I did that. I hung the Macklemore flag, and it comes up every day. Well, I remember when I hung the Macklemore flag, and people ask me, and then I tell them the story. So, yeah, as far as anyone's concerned, I hung the heist flag on the Space Needle in Seattle, Washington. Blew off, treated it as a parachute, and landed somewhere south of San Diego. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. <laughs> yeah, I'll, a couple more things I want to get to before I kick this off. Uh, you, you, I know how, how you much time you got? Have you got a time? How much time we got? Looking at like probably five, 
five minutes. But um, the big story this week. Big story this week was LeBron James coming back to Cleveland. Now, now uh, yeah. you said you and your son a, were big what, fans of the Heat. Marketing, what a marketing genius uh, he is. He leaves the town and it makes him burn all of his fucking jerseys. Goes to Miami, shortchanges him on the championship he promised. He promised eight. How many did they do? Two, three? No, it wasn't three, was it? Two? Uh, uh, two, wasn't it? No, it wasn't three. Yeah, it was two. Yeah, it was two, because they come up short on three. He promised them eight, and then he opts out of his contract and wants to go back home to the place and said, get the fuck out of here. We hate you. Don't ever come back, you worthless piece of shit. Burned his jerseys in the street. Now, I don't know who's got less credibility. LeBron James for going back after he bailed out on him. Now saying, oh, I miss home. I made a mistake. Or these assholes that all burn his jersey in the street that are now going out and having to buy new jerseys and all tickled shitless that he's coming back home. Well, I got news right. for you. He ain't, he ain't bringing Bosch with him. He ain't bringing Wade with him. He ain't bringing the rest of that cast of characters with him. He's coming back by himself. And last I saw in Cleveland, you're going to need a little bit more than LeBron to win a, uh, a world championship. So you better hope two or three of these badasses in the league, because LeBron couldn't even do it by himself. And LeBron couldn't even do it with Wade and Bosch his last uh, weeks there. They got their ass handed to them by a bunch of old men in San Antonio. I think I could wait for San Antonio. So, uh, yeah, I'm a Heat fan, and I, and I was a LeBron fan. Uh, the King, uh, he stole my nickname, calling himself the King. I mean, uh, after me and Lawler, how many more kings do you need? You got the King of Wrestling, the King of Managers. So I guess we'll let him be the King of Basketball if he wants. But even though Michael Jordan was better, take that and smoke on it, LeBron. Jordan was better. I saw both of you play. Charles Barkley saw both of you play, and Charles Barkley will agree with him. So as good as you are, you're the best now, but you're not the best there ever was. And I got news for you. I'm not even sure that that big head of yours that's balding at a premature age belongs on Mount Rushmore. I don't think it belongs there because, number one, your head's all roided up. you got one of them roid heads that's premature bald. You looked 35 when you got out of high school. No one can prove you weren't. Hell, maybe you were 35 when you got out of high school. Maybe you're too old now. I don't know. Maybe you're washed up. But um, I got news for you, LeBron. You are not better than Michael. And I'm not sure that your head goes on Mount Rushmore. There's an awful lot of good ones before you. Different positions. Maybe played the game a different way. But there were some guys named Pistol Pete Maravich that were probably better than you. A guy named Michael Jordan, better than you. A guy named Larry Bird, as bad as I hate to admit it because I hated the Celtics, better than you. Uh, Magic Johnson was probably better than you. Uh, and I'm probably leaving a few guys. Wilt Chamberlain, probably better than you. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, probably better than you. Um, some old ABA players, maybe Dan Issel, maybe Louis Dampier, maybe better than you. There's been a lot of good fucking balls. Uh, George Gervin, maybe better than you. Dr. J. Julius Irving may be better than you. And yeah. uh, I, might be leaving some, I might be leaving some names out, but Dr. J. was a fucking badass. He also had a partner on his team named Mr. K., Larry Keenan, who played with them back then, who was also a badass. Moses Malone, a badass. Stockton, a badass. Pippen, Scotty Pippen, couldn't do it without Michael Jordan, but a pretty fucking solid ball player. So, LeBron, let's not... Way because not even Michael could carry a team by himself. Even he needed Pippen and Stockton and and, and uh, various others like that. 
Um, let's not be get, let's, let's not be getting carried away with ourselves when we think our big roided up head belongs on Mount Rushmore. Because you were bald when you got out of high school, you looked like you'd been on roids for seven years then. And believe me, being in the wrestling business, I know what that roided head looks like. And you okay? Yeah, you can you can see it. You can recognize it when you see it. <laughs> you can see it. You can see it. And there you go. I've never ran it on LeBron James before, so I've done that now. And I wish you luck. I hope everything goes well in Cleveland. And I'll I'll be rooting and I'll be watching. But uh, shut the fuck up until you accomplish something there. You ain't done shit yet. That's been a bit of, oh, they're probably going to kick us off here in like 30 seconds off the air, but I want to get, thank in, that you last, so get in that last, get in that last question real quick. Let's see what we got. Well, I wanted to ask you because uh, Sting sent out a tweet today, said 7-14-14, which would imply yeah. that Sting is going to be on Monday Night Raw tomorrow. Well, Jim Ross has led us to believe it's going to happen. He said that you need to be watching Raw tomorrow.